I feel like a lot of people are at a place in their, their walk of Christianity where they've stayed in the same place. They got saved and they're not going to hell. They believe, they believe Jesus came and they believe he was born of a virgin, which is crucial to the story, by the way. We may get into that some other time, but it's crucial to the story. But they never change how they're living. Now, religion will try to make you feel guilty because you're not changing how you're living. But true Christianity, it's not just changing how you're living because there's a guilt on you if you're doing this wrong or that wrong. But our purpose is to be is to be changed more and more and more into the image of Christ. It's, it's to be a light to the world. It's to be salt of the earth. It's to be a city on a hill. There's just all these words that are to describe the Christians. And, and sometimes we get stuck after, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord. Or I'm just going to say, sometimes we say we acknowledge Jesus as Lord. I'm not real sure that we accept him as our Lord. When we accept someone as our Lord, then we function in life the way they instruct us to function in life. And, you know, some people start automatically backing up right there because it's in the human nature to be rebellious. And we don't want somebody telling us how to be or what to be or how to do. But when we understand a loving God, when we understand a loving God, we see that anything he wants us to be is peace. It's peace to us. And so we started last week about this new kind of peace. And I apologize, my tape came off this morning. I'll try not to mess with my mic all day. We went to Luke 2, and we talked about when the angels came and presented themselves to the shepherds, and they said, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And we talked about that last week and how a new kind of peace was born that day, that it wasn't a peace based on outward circumstances because it was anything but peace after Jesus was born. There, the outward circumstances, I know the shepherds at one point probably had to go... <laughs> What was that part they said about peace? Because as you know, we talked about last week, it wasn't much later. Within two years, we had the slaughter of, of all the male children uh, from two years old and under as Herod was trying to make sure that he had killed this new king he had heard about that had been born. So pretty much hell came calling and trying to destroy what God had spent generations and generations and generations building with his word through the mouths of the prophets, through the stories of the saints of old, how they began to picture this life of Christ and the work of Christ and how his words began to exclaim what Jesus would do in his life and through his death. And so if Herod Satan could have killed Jesus. But he couldn't. Amen. Because an angel woke Joseph up. And he said, get the child. Get Mary and the child and take them to Egypt. Yeah. And Joseph was obedient. And he got Jesus and Mary and he took them to Egypt. And he kept them there until the death of Herod. And then Jesus came back safe and grew 
in wisdom and in favor with God. Amen? I don't, I don't know why I got in that. That's not in my notes. But we talked about that outward circumstance not being where peace comes from, that it was an inward peace despite the circumstances that were around us. It was a peace that's based on a relationship with God. If you knew you were in right relationship with God, how would your mind be in this situation? And y'all have to use this regularly. I don't know about y'all, but I have to use this regularly. If it's in a relationship trouble with, with people or if it's in a circumstance you know, for me in the legal world, with the things we deal with, or if it's problems in the church, I have to come back to the Word. If I don't come back to the Word, I'm going to myself. And that ain't worked out too great for me. When I rely on my own wisdom to fix a situation. But if I know that I am right with God, there is a confidence that he will lead me, that he will guide me, that if there's anything I need to do different, he will instruct me. Amen. But that comes through this relationship, and that relationship is why we have Christmas. Yep. It's why we have Christmas. It's what he came for. It's what Jesus came for was to restore that rightness with God, and that is our peace. We said it last week. I'll say it again this week. There is no peace until there's peace with God. There is no peace until there's peace with God. And really and truly peace is what we're all hungry for. We try to fill it with other things. We try to satisfy it with other things. But peace with God is what I'm hungry for. And I believe in retail therapy. If you don't know what that is, you're not a woman. I believe in retail therapy. There's something about going out and buying something new. But there's also a bill that follows that. You know, I, I realize we were talking about comfort foods last night. If you miss generations, you, you missed a night of comfort food. And generations is not just for us older people. It's, it's any adult, 18 and over. And, and that's the beauty of it. It's we're all gathered around these tables playing games or eating. It was so fun, it was so fun wasn't it? It was so fun. Comfort food brings some comfort, but it also brings some hippage. <laughs> You know, the, the peace of God is the only thing I know that truly satisfies and doesn't have any negative consequences. It's what we're all hungry for. That might be for somebody, I don't know. The New Year's coming, why wait till New Year to set that New Year's resolution? Peace, it's an inward atmosphere of quietness and rest. It's a confidence, it's an assurance that if I need to do anything different, God will tell me. It's available. It's available because you can be right with God. And, and people start arguing right there. 
but you don't know, but you don't know what I did. You don't know what I've done. Or, or maybe you think that you're in right relationship with God because you're so perfect. I mean, the apostle Paul had to deal with that. He had to count everything he had done right as dung. That's just a nice word. We could use a better Arkansas word that might make the point a little better, but I won't. He, he, has, he, had, to, he had to count it. It was waste. Everything he thought he had done right, how he had kept the law, how he was a Hebrew among Hebrews, how, how perfect he upheld the law. He had to count it all as nothing and let his perfect relationship with God be through Jesus Christ and not his works. That's a great message. Because we all try to earn it at some point. If, you, if we need healing in our body, we go through these steps. Have I done one, two, three, A, B, C? And there are some things that help. But if we do not understand righteousness, being right with God through Jesus Christ, our faith will not work. It won't. Well, we'll start, we'll start going back and saying, I did this wrong. I wonder if that's why I can't receive that. I wonder if that's why I didn't receive that. I wonder if that's why God didn't do that for me. One of the greatest things about Jesus Christ is it was finished in him. God's not up there deciding to heal you or not heal you. He healed you. Over 2,000 years ago, he made that, actually, the decision was made in Genesis. By God, he decided. He decided he would heal you. When he looked at the serpent, he said, there's one coming that'll break your power. There's one coming that'll break your power. He meant Jesus is coming and what you think you have over my people is fixing to be destroyed. So, I mean, we need to go back to this basic foundational truth of righteousness and let it bring peace in every area of our life. Does God really want me to succeed in my business? Why would we even question that? I mean, if we go back through the Old Testament and we just look at the men who served God, the men and the women who served God, did he not always provide? I mean, a widow back then was the, was the, was the worst position you could be in. And I think that's why he gives so many examples of providing, not just providing that meal, but giving them an abundance above that would supply them for the rest of their lives or until the rain came, till the famine left, till the... I mean, God is for you. He is not against you. He sent Jesus to bring you back into right relation. Even under the old covenant he provided. Before Jesus came and died on the cross. He still provided for his people. How much more? Matthew 1, 23. I'm just going to pick out this one verse here. It says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name... 
Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. You know, there's times that I'm in, in um, some pretty serious situations. And I have to remind myself that I'm not alone in a room full of enemies. But that God is with me. And if God is with me, I sit different at the table. I stand different at the hospital. I speak different in the crowd. If I remember God, it's not haughty. It's anything but haughty. It's very humbling. God is with you. He wants to be with you in this situation that you're walking out. He will guide you. He will help you. He wants to. He wanted to. He's already provided the way. It's just sometimes we forget Emmanuel, Jesus Christ. He called him Emmanuel because he wanted you to get the point. I'm here. Don't you walk through this alone. Don't you feel like you're alone. Emmanuel, God, he made a point. He made a point to call him Emmanuel. God is with us. God did not leave us down here by ourselves. When Adam separated himself from God and the earth had to go without God walking on the earth in the cool of the day like it was in Genesis, God immediately started. He immediately started his way of getting God back into the earth to be with us. Through Jesus Christ. When Jesus had to leave the earth, what did he do? Immediately, he sent the Holy Spirit to walk in the earth with us. God with us. How does your peace level change when you have that mindset, God with me? God with me. Not God against me. See, that's religion. God against me? Don't go to a church where God is against you. God is with me. We can can live life that way. And if we need to be corrected, I'm not saying God doesn't correct us. And when we talked about this before, God makes it very plain. If if you have a, a child who is not corrected, God says they're a bastard. Don't have a parent. But we have a good father. And if we need to be corrected, he will correct us. And he uses the word to do it. Ephesians explains that to us. That we're cleansed by the washing of the water of the word. And and he also tells us this word is for rebuke. It's for correction. It's not lightning bolts and cancer people. That's not it. It's his word. He corrects us like a good father corrects his children. And he guides us. We can live this life. We can live this life if we accept Jesus Christ as our righteousness. Go with me to John 3.16. If you don't know this when you haven't been a Christian very long. I started putting a different version, but then, because I like to do that on a scripture that we're all real familiar with, because it kind of wakes me back up, you know, kind of gets all the little sparks going in my head again but I can't do John 3 16 that way because I read it out of the King James Version no matter what I'm looking at it's just 
in us from childhood, which is not a bad thing. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, don't you love that word? You can't even explain yourself out of that. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. Let me tell you something. If God didn't send his son who was perfect into the world to condemn the world, he sure didn't send me into the world to condemn the world. He didn't send Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but he sent Jesus into the world that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned. Are you in him? Then you are not condemned. Corrected, but not condemned. And there is a huge difference. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Oh, religion doesn't tell us that part. They're condemned already. Why? Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. See, God's not up there condemning. They're condemned already because they haven't accepted the one who came to put them back in right relationship with God. John 3 just puts the gospel in such simple words. Right there we have the whole message of the gospel. The birth of Jesus that we celebrate should change our daily life. It should change our mindset, how we think, and not just our afterlife life. If not, why don't we just get saved and die? If Jesus came just to get me to heaven, why not just get saved and die? We're, we're sent here. Because the person living next door to you take out the Christians and what would the world be? What would the world be? It's meant to change our daily lives so we can change the daily lives. Right? I'm telling you, once the church gets this right, it's unstoppable. It's unstoppable. This is what the world is hungry for. The truth, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to go to Romans 5 and spend a moment there. My notes were all over the place this morning. In fact, I was so late getting Tanya my notes. I was surprised she wasn't knocking on my door uh, because my brain was just going a hundred different directions because explaining why Jesus came, trying to simplify that, but I think righteousness is just, it's it in a word. If we understand righteousness... 
If we understand what righteousness will do for us, what good relationship with God will do in our mindset and in our daily living. But I think Romans 5 has a sentence in it that, that really sums it up. I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified. Romans 5, 17. Y'all, all of Romans 5 is amazing, okay? And finding a place when Paul is talking to take a breath, uh, you won't. So you just kind of have to jump in here somewhere and start because he has the longest continuing sentences I have ever seen. And so you just kind of have to jump in and y'all can read Romans 5 later, but it's very powerful, especially if you have an issue understanding righteousness, you being right with God through Jesus Christ and not through your own efforts. All right, verse 17. For if because of one man's trespass, it's talking about Adam, Death reigned through that one, Adam. Much more, surely, will those who receive God's overflowing grace, his unmerited favor. Oh, unmerited favor. Favor we didn't earn. God's eyes towards us. His willingness to show his kindness to us, not because we deserved it. How much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace, his unmerited favor, and the free gift of righteousness, putting them into right standing with himself, how much more will they reign as kings in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Let me read that out of the King James Version. Sometimes those words in parentheses make me lose my thoughts. Sometimes they really help, but then I like to go back and read it without them. Romans 5. I'm going to read out of the King James when I get there. This is my newer Bible and whew, this page is stick. For if by one man's offense, Adam, death reigned by one, much more they which receive, circle, they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Now I say circle receive because here's our problem. We have trouble receiving unmerited favor. And we have trouble receiving the gift of righteousness. But the rest of that sentence, reigning in life as a king, is dependent on you receiving it. And you know, really to and I, I had this thought back in the office, this is life altering. And, and in my spirit, I heard, that's right. Because you had to put your own living on the altar. It's life altering. You had to put your goodness or your badness on the altar and accept that you are righteous, that it was a free gift. You know the commercial? Free, 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 free. We shouldn't have to put the word free in front of gift. Because if it is a gift, 
You didn't earn it or pay for it. But he's so emphatic that you understand you can't earn this. You have to receive this that he said free gift. And that's humbling. That, that you can't work for this. That you have to say, you know what? Thank you. That's what you do when you get a gift. Thank you. I, I don't know what to say. Have you ever been given something? You're just like, you don't even know. You almost feel guilty for taking it. Well, with God, stop that, Christians. His love gave you Jesus Christ. For God so loved you that he gave you his only begotten son so that you would not perish, but so that you would have everlasting life, so that you could reign in life as a king instead of life running you over all the time, life making your decision of what your job's going to be, life making your decision on, on your, your bills and your, your debt, and life making your decision on how you're going to be as a wife or a husband or a parent, past making your decision on, on who you're, who you're going to end up being in life. He said, no, stop letting these things reign in your life. If you will accept Jesus Christ in his relationship with the Father, he literally gave you, he took your spot on the cross so that you could take his spot in relationship with Father God. And all these passages, just Google it, in him scriptures, in Christ, in him. That's where it's at. We have to stay in the in Him. We have to be in Christ. We have this relationship with the Father because we accepted Christ. We are in Him, which means when I stand before God, I stand before God in Christ. That gets Susan out of the way. That gets Susan's yesterday out of the way. This is the good news. This is why Jesus came. It wasn't just a beautiful moment. It was a beautiful moment. Oh my goodness, the angels went haywire in the heavens, singing and rejoicing because all of these words that they've heard the prophets speak down through the ages was born. We got him here. He's here. And then the work of Christ began. And you know what he did? You know what his works were? Destroying the works of the enemy. And then he put on your sin nature. And he hung on that cross and he went into the heart of the earth and he paid your penalty so that you could stand before God without any guilt or condemnation. So that when you accepted Christ, you stood before a holy God, holy in Christ Jesus. We read it last week. You've been made holy. You've been made righteous. But it's a gift. And if we put any other words in there other than free gift, we're not just shortchanging ourselves, we're shortchanging God. So he paid a mighty price for you to be able to stand there. Jesus got back what Adam lost. And Jesus secured righteousness. 
He secured it. Adam lost his. Jesus secured his. And if we're in him, mine's secure. If I'm in him, mine's secure. Not that he doesn't correct me, but he does not condemn me. That's powerful. He gives it to us as a gift to all who will receive it. And those who receive it will reign in life. Why? Because it gives us a confidence. If I know I'm right with God, it gives me a confidence. This understanding of righteousness is considered milk in Christianity. William, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. And yet the scripture says, this is milk. This is milk, like milk for babies. But what he means is you can't go on into the deeper things of God until you have accepted the milk. You don't, I don't take a piece of steak and put it in a baby's mouth. They, they grow into that. They start with milk. Well, the reason we haven't grown, the reason we've stayed the same, the reason we got saved and nothing's changed in our daily lives because we are still spitting up the milk. We have to accept the milk. We have to take the milk. Quit power puking the milk. You know, you got those babies, projectile milk shooters. It's like, take the milk. And then they cry like they're hungry. You're like, you're hungry. Take the milk. God's saying, you're hungry, church. Take the milk. Quit puking the milk. Quit rejecting it and saying, that's not mine. That can't be mine. That can't be mine. I can't accept that. I can't accept that. No. Let me tell you, when you'll sleep good at night is when you take the milk. Amen. It's a peace. There's a settling. There's an assurance. There's a calm that comes from it. It's beautiful. Go with me to Hebrews 5. Let's talk about that just a minute. This message is growing on me. Um, Hebrews 5. I'm going to read it out of the NIV. And let's go down and start. Once again, we're jumping in the middle. Read above uh, because it's, it's all, it just reiterates it all the way through. But start with verse 11 of Hebrews 5. He said, we have much to say about this. You'll have to read ahead to see what he's talking about. But it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. Man. We got to get this settled. You want to grow? You want to grow in the things of God? We got to get righteousness settled. You want to you grow and, and be able to accept that healing? That supernatural healing? Supernatural provision? Supernatural ministry? Seeing the supernatural things of God? Steady righteousness. 
I'm going to make a recommendation to you. I like to recommend books to you when I know of one. Uh, you'll have to go to Faith Builders uh, to find this because it's Michelle Steele. Some of you heard Michelle Steele during Ladies Agape. But Michelle has a great book called Redeemed and Righteous by Nature. Redeemed and Righteous by Nature by Michelle Steele. You can go to Faith Builders and find that. It's a great basic book on accepting your righteousness. It's already bought. It's already paid for. It's a free gift. Jesus wasn't a free. It's a free gift. It costs Jesus. And he wants to give it to you. And it will change your nature. It's milk. It's milk. We can't, we can't really go on until you have some kind of understanding of righteousness. Right standing with God was the primary purpose that Jesus came to this earth. Give you his relationship with God the Father. What do you think Jesus could come to God about that he could not receive? You are in Christ Jesus. That's why he could look at the lame man and say, get up. That's why he could, he could take the hand of a dead girl and say, arise. You better understand righteousness before you start trying to do some stuff like that. Hebrews 4. You're in 5. Let me get there. Man, does righteousness ever change your approach to God? It's beautiful. You know, when we were singing that song about His presence, I can't, every song I was like, this is the message. This is the message. That, and I was like, I'm going to remember those words and talk to the people about it. Then the next song would come and I was like, oh no, that's even better. <laughs> but you know, the, the presence of God scares some people. To think that God sees me is a threat. But when we understand righteousness, knowing that God sees me is a blessing. It, it just totally changes everything. Hebrews 4, let's go down to verse 14. It's talking about Jesus here. Calls, them, calls him the high priest because he's the one that presented his blood to God. So it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession or our confession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. We don't have a high priest that doesn't understand our weaknesses, infirmities, weaknesses, our inabilities to cope. But we have a high priest. We have a God who was willing to come to earth as a human, walk in our surroundings, around our temptations. We don't have a God that was way up there somewhere that wasn't willing to, to understand the human walk. We have a God, Emmanuel, who came to us. 
He didn't keep himself separated from us. He came to us. He came as a man, and that's the beauty of the birth of Christ. We have a God that was willing to walk among us, for the Word to be made flesh and dwell among us. And so now we don't have a high priest that doesn't get us. We have a high priest who Satan himself stood in a wilderness and said, If you are the Son of God, turn this stone to bread. And you know when Satan did that to him? When Jesus was hungry. When he hadn't eaten. And you know what he came after him with? He questioned his identity of being a child of God. And that's the same thing he questions you with today. If you are a son of God, you wouldn't have done that yesterday. If you were a Christian, you wouldn't have honked that horn. If you were the son of, if you were a child of God, yeah, but you, you misunderstood Satan. I'm in Christ. Amen. You're looking at the wrong one. You're looking at the wrong one. I don't have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of my weaknesses or my inabilities to cope, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come <coughs> boldly. Let us therefore come boldly. Why are we coming boldly? We're coming boldly because I don't have a high priest that didn't understand my weaknesses and my inabilities to cope. I have a high priest that did understand, walked the walk that Adam walked, but he did it, Jesus did it without sin, securing. Not losing the right standing with God, but securing the right standing with God. And therefore, I get to come boldly to the throne of... What church talks about the throne of grace? When they talk about God on the throne, it's a threat. And that's why people are running from God. We get to come boldly to the throne of grace. We talked about grace earlier, right? That unmerited favor, that, that, that willingness of God to, to show kindness towards us. We come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. This is God's compassion towards us. And find grace to help. To find grace to help in the time of need or in the time of trouble or in the time of tribulation. We're supposed to be able to come to God. Boldly. That word bold, look it up. Look it up in, in your Greek concordance. It means frankness, plain spokenness, freedom to speak. Who, what, in, what in religion tells you that you can come boldly to the throne of grace? No. No, religion says come begging to the throne of condemnation. And see if you can talk God into taking this diabetes from you. That's not what the Word teaches. 
I'm telling you, Jesus came for a very big reason. And that's relationship. He reconciled you to God through his own blood. Not through your sweat and tears and religion, but through the blood of Jesus Christ. And when you place that baby in that nativity and you're talking to your children and your grandchildren, the very blood that would bring them back into relationship with God was flowing through that infant. Would be shed for them. Jesus isn't a baby anymore. He became our Redeemer. He was born our Redeemer. He walked it out. So that we could be reconciled to God. So that we could come boldly. And so that we could have a different kind of life. Is it affecting my life? If it's not, I've got to go back to righteousness. And I need the milk. Because that's a whole different kind of peace than religion. And it, it just changes everything. It gives me the ability to use my faith. I can, I can read what the Word says, but if I don't understand righteousness, I won't use it. Because I will X myself out and say that's not for me because. Now I get to say it is for me because Jesus came. Amen.